0: For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ.
1: Thank you, Matt, for reading. You see our sermon series over the next few weeks is going to be, Grace Changes Everything. And that's a big statement. When someone says that this changes everything, I think my natural inclination is to be a little suspicious, uh, to be a little cynical. Really, it changes everything. So I'm definitely old enough to remember the late night infomercials, that if you just got like this car towel or this sealant or this golf club, it will like change, literally revolutionize your life. And of course, for for easy installments, we'll throw this in as well. I mean, those kinds of things we know, kind of know the game that's being played there and we all view like, Did it really change everything? It's a big claim to make, but that is exactly the claim that the author of Galatians, that Paul is making in this book, there really is something that changes everything. He writes this to congregations in what would now be Turkey, and he Paul writes as a follower of Jesus and he became a follower of Jesus shortly, relatively shortly after Jesus Christ was crucified and rose again. Jesus had changed Paul's life and now he's communicating a message that God's grace in Jesus has changed and is changing everything. Can it really be true? I want us to really focus on that word grace. The message of grace is so important, and what you do with it is so important. We're going to spend some time working through the book of Galatians to clarify and reinforce exactly what grace is. We, we need to understand it, I and mean, we can use the word all the time. We sing about it all the time. What does it actually mean? The first verses of Galatians 1, and I hope you have a Bible in front of you there and follow along. The first verses of Galatians grab our attention. Clearly, Paul has a message to share. He tells us that he is an apostle, an apostle. He's an envoy. He's representing someone else. He's representing the message of Jesus, and he's been sent to bring a message from God. And notice he says, I'm an apostle, but my message did not originate with me, Paul says, it didn't originate with human origin, not not what I have to share to you. So as we read Galatians, we are reading something that Paul claims is directly from God, not from humans, which is significant. Next week, we're even going to talk more about Paul's autobiography, and we'll get into more of that. But as Paul begins to unpack the message of grace, the announcement, the good news of grace, if you notice even in Verse 1, he's going to say, this is a message about God raising Jesus from the dead. That at one point, Jesus' body was lifeless, and God brought him back to life. This is a message, according to verse 3, of Jesus the Messiah, the hope, the one we put our trust in, of him giving himself for us. Galatians 2 is going to say, He gave Himself for us because He loved us. He gave Himself for us even in our sins. We weren't deserving of it. The message of grace is that Christ gave Himself to the point of dying for us, particularly for our sins. The purpose in Jesus dying for us. I'm guessing this isn't news to probably many, if not most in this room, but the purpose by which The reason why Jesus gave himself for us is to rescue us. That's the wording in verse 3. Like really it is kind of to snatch out of a, a desperate situation, a dangerous situation. And it says he rescued us from this present evil age, which was headed to destruction. And he pulled us out and he delivered us. He brought us into what he's going to call later in the book, a new creation. Totally rewriting the script for us. The work of Jesus, that, that all would be good news. But it gets personal in verse 6. It talks about God actually calling us into that grace. God calling us into this experience, this kindness that we could never be worthy of. So grace is no small word, and I'm not going to treat it like it is. It's almost impossible. I, I'd love to give you a short definition. The only problem with a short definition of grace in the Bible is there's just way too many aspects of this. It's like a diamond, you just keep turning, you find, oh, there's another descriptor of it. So, to try to, like, get a small definition of it, you're not going to be able to do that. What you are going to be able to do in Galatians is see more and more aspects of what God's gift of grace means to us. And you're going to see more and more how grace changes things, more specifically, how grace changes everything. For today, since we're kind of right here at the beginning, I want to give you a little bit of preview of where this book goes. I I want us to see that because in Galatians, we're going to emphasize and re-emphasize some things again and again. That's the way Galatians works, and I, I just want to kind of orient us to that, give a preview. Two major things that you're going to come across again and again in Galatians, and as we teach and think through this, We're going to be processing these things in different aspects of them. One of the things you're going to come across regularly in Galatians is this fact. If we have trusted in Jesus, grace has changed our identity. This is going to be said a lot of different ways, but it's going to be said again and again. Grace means that our identity has changed. We are who we are. I am who I am solely because of grace. Grace has changed our identity. We are solely who we are because of grace. When we talk about identity, I wonder, I wonder if there have been any, any things recently that has maybe had the net effect of unsettling your identity. I don't mean to like overly psychoanalyze everything, but I do know there are seasons of our life where we go through them where it feels like Who am I? Who really am I? Maybe something changes. Maybe a relationship changes. Maybe our experience of something changes and we begin to wonder like, I'm not sure I know who I am. We might wonder even in our identity if if I were to disappear tomorrow, would anybody really care? Or maybe something about our biological family or our past cast such a long shadow over even our identity, who we think of ourselves to be, that we even begin to wonder, do do I ever have a hope of escaping this thing that I feel like I am? Or is this who I always will be? As you read Galatians, it's going to make you visit and revisit your identity. It's going to make some strong statements if you are If you are a follower of Jesus, it's going to tell you, here's your identity. You are loved by God. Here's your identity. You have been brought into the family of God. Here's your identity. Jesus lives in you through the Spirit. You are His, and that's not going to change. You are in Christ, and that's not going to change. You belong. You're no longer an outsider. He loves you. You're going to be reminded of that again and again as we go through Galatians. There are identity markers in Galatians, and and some of those matter, and we can't ignore those. We don't pretend that a male-female distinction doesn't exist, or in Galatians, a a Jew and Gentile. No, no, those exist, and Paul doesn't deny that they exist. And there's social standing, and there's ways we see the world divide up into categories. All those things exist. That's understandable. What Paul's going to say is there's something more than just those distinctions, and that is the fact that Christ lives in me. I am known by God. I have a heavenly Father. The Spirit works inside of me to talk to my heavenly Father. Christ is being formed in me. I'm justified. I'm redeemed. I'm adopted. This is who I am, and I am who I am solely because of grace. At some point in your life, you're going to need that identity coming solely by grace, not because. You did this or that to deserve it. It brings such relief and acceptance. And yet, as good as this is, I don't always believe it sometimes. I still wrestle like, okay, this has changed my life. Now who am I? Now who do I need to be? And this reminder of Galatians is going to come again and again. Frankly, this week doesn't have to be how you or I will measure up Doesn't have to be this unending quest to really find out who I am. We're going to hear the words of Paul, the words of the Holy Spirit reinforce this is who you are. It's not about mind tricks you can play. Paul's not going to advocate for visualization techniques that somehow can get you in a little bit better place. Paul's going to ground you in reality if you're a follower of Jesus. That you have a father and you're not left on your own. So when you and I battle shame and we battle guilt and we battle fear and we wrestle through our longings of what we want life to be we have an identity and that is because of grace. I am who I am solely because because of God's grace. There's another place that Galatians again by preview that it's going to take us and it's going to reinforce it again and again if we've trusted in Jesus, grace also has not just changed our identity, it has changed our righteousness. Grace has changed our righteousness. We are righteous, and I want to spend some time on what that word actually means and how I, I want us to think about it, but we are righteous solely because of grace. We are righteous solely because of grace. You may hear that word righteous and it definitely, in my mind, has a lot of religious connotations to it. When I think of grace, I, or when I think of righteousness, I, I'm, I'm thinking in, like, religious categories. But I actually want you to appreciate the fact that when, I, when I'm talking about this concept of righteousness, I don't just mean religious categories. I, w- I want you to think of human categories. Human categories like when you're told, when are you going to get your act together? When is that going to happen? There's a question there embedded, a human question about righteousness. When you ask yourself, why can't I just be more like her? Why can't I just be a little bit more like him? There's a question embedded there of righteousness. When you hear like, why can't you just be more productive? Why can't you just be stronger? Why can't you just be patient? Why can't you just be understanding? There there are righteousness dimensions going on. When you tell yourself, I messed up again, didn't I? I always do that. I always have. I always will. Make no mistake, there are righteousness aspects going on there. We're living in a world that demands we, like, feel right, be right, be okay with who we are, and if we can't get there, like, if we think, can I perform, and if I can't perform, can I pretend and fake at least enough people out so at least they'll think I'm okay? And Maybe I can tell that story to myself, but how can I ever really know? How can you ever really know that you're right before God? Can you just say you are, and that means you are? And where do you fit in relationship to other people? Is it, always going to be, is it always going to be about for us? Is it always going to be like, okay, here's where I fit. I'm, I'm probably better than them, but not better than them. And I'm equal with, I mean, is that the game we always will have to play to figure out where we fit when it comes to righteousness as it relates to other people? And how am I going to be assured? So tonight when I put my head on the pillow, how am I going to be assured that, no, you are okay? you are okay. What will give me that sort of rest? What will give me that sort of relief? How am I going to get there? Am I going to get there by trying to meet the standards of perfection that I set for myself or that I feel like others want for me? Is that the way I'm going to get there? Is that the way you're going to be righteous? Is there some milestone, some goal that you're going to set out and you're going to do it? Is it going to be through your children or your grandchildren that somehow by their achievement you're going to feel like, I'm okay. I'm settled. Is it going to be something else? Is it going to be through doing enough good deeds or taking the right stance on enough issues that you can feel like, you know what, that says I'm okay. Because I've I've found where I can be okay with God. I can gain credit before Him. I can have standing before others. I can be assured in my heart. Is it going to be Observing enough traditions—is it going to be pleasing enough people? If I please—or the right people—if I please them, then I'm going to feel okay. That's the only obstacle that stands. I mean, these are questions that I'm not sure you and I escape. No matter how long I've walked with the Lord, no matter how long I—I I should know better. These are the kinds of the these these are the kinds of questions that can really begin to haunt you after a while. How can we address like what? What could you consistently count on to give you credit and acceptance before God? Knowing his opinion matters, how will you have credit before him, acceptance before him? What are you going to count on to give you the right standing to land like exactly where you need to fit among others? Galatians is going to help again and again because I'll tell you, I can't magically make righteousness appear. It just doesn't work like that. And I can't play tricks with my conscience and say, actually, I'm okay, even though I don't feel like I'm I mean, I, I can't play those games. I can't lie. I can't earn it. Religion and keeping rules, isn't. They're not. they're surely not going to help me when I fail. They're just going to tell me more and more, you did fail. You did mess up. And then the message of Galatians is going to come again and again. We're going to have to underline it, like remind ourselves, put an exclamation point by it. I am righteous solely because of God's grace to me and Jesus. This is not religious talk. This is like spiritual sanity. This is, this is what will give us life. This is good news all the time that there is identity forming, righteousness giving, grace. Which is like, come back to Galatians 1 if I really grasp the grace that God has for me, then I understand why Paul was so frustrated by the situation going on in the churches in ancient Turkey. Why he was so frustrated. Because people had come, he had, he had poured his life, he had told the message of Jesus, how he had risen from the dead, how he gave himself for our sins, and then people had come in after him And the best we can understand of what's going on in Galatians, people would come in after him, and they were teaching something different. They had a rival message of good news. So they would say, you know, Paul had some important things. Let's not forget what Paul had to say. But there's something more you need to get. There's something beyond just grace that you need to get. Oh, no, it's definitely all about Jesus. The new teachers would come in and say, somewhere along the line, they'd say, yeah, Jesus, well, sure, he's the Savior. Sure, he's the Messiah, but, but you're going to need something else. It's not just gonna, like, you really think you can just rest on Jesus alone? You're going to need more than that. You're going to need to keep this. You're going to need to do this. You're going to need Jesus plus, or, or you think of it like we could plus Jesus into something. Like, it, you're going to need something else just beside him. He's going to, Jesus is, becomes almost like an add-on, and so, so, Paul has a real issue with this, and I think what we have to be able to discover, what my hope is that we discover, this isn't just something that happened way back when for them, but this is something that could happen to you this week, is that you could be trusting in Jesus, then all of a sudden, something begin to work on your heart where you think, actually, I, yeah, of course I believe in Jesus. But I also need this other thing to, like, give me some assurance, to give me some standing with others, to, to, like, really gain credit with God, to be on, like, his A-list, not, not drop down any. That's not just the temptation back then. That's something that will happen to us. Lots of it this, this week. Paul goes off. I mean, did you notice that in verse 6? So a lot of the books of the Bible that Paul writes, and he wrote a lot of them, and he wrote to a lot of churches. He'll say lots of nice things at the beginning of the letter. Like he'll compliment them. I've heard so many good things about you. But Galatians 1, I mean, he comes in hot. He comes in challenging. Look at verse 6. He says, I'm astonished. I mean, these are intentionally, like he is pressing the button. I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. You're turning to a different gospel. There really isn't a different one. There's not another one, but, but there are some who trouble you who want to distort the gospel of Christ. I'm telling you, if we or an angel from heaven, like if we change things, if we distort things, if we preach something to you contrary to the gospel that we've already preached to you, let that person, like they have no blessing to offer. Let them be accursed. These were Christians he's talking to. These were people that had a relationship with Jesus, and now he's saying, you are being influenced by a message. You've opened the door to something that's going to kill your soul. This is not the same gospel. So this is not the same gospel because you can't blend Jesus and all he's done with some of your efforts or some of your identity markers and somehow blend those and say, well, kind of both matter for my ultimate security, my ultimate belonging. These things don't blend. You can't have Jesus on the cross as an add-on. Yeah, I'll take that too. It's just not the way it works. You can't have Jesus rising from the dead in addition to other ways I form my identity. It's not the way it works. This is not the same gospel. It's distorted. It's like someone took something really good and totally messed it up, totally ruined it. They distorted it. They twisted it. And, and did you notice, he said, I'm, I'm amazed that you're so quickly defecting. I mean, that's a strong word. It's like you're looking Jesus in the eye, and you turn around, and you go a different direction. And Paul says, this is, this is not like you choosing among many options. This is a personal defection from God. It means trouble, because it's not a gospel. It's an anti-gospel. It's interesting, as I read Galatians it definitely feels different than a lot of things you hear today because today, pretty much regularly, we pride ourselves on being non-judgmental. There's something in it like, Paul, you're not playing very nice here. Like my, my goodness, if that's their truth and if that's the way they want to see the world and if that's the way they want to live their life, why do you have a problem with like, let them be. If it works for them. Who are you to judge? And, and when in our heart we push those buttons, sounds like a lot more like we're listening to culture than listening to God's Word. Because God's Word comes on strong here because Paul cares too much. Love demands more. He thinks of the Galatians and he says you're following something, and you can say it works for you all day long, but what you're following is an anti-gospel because it will never lead to forgiveness. It's not good news. It's not good news when you have to earn a righteousness, and even when you think you have it, you probably don't. Like, that's not good news. You just sit in condemnation. That's not good news. And how loving could Paul be not to address that? It's not good news if you don't have freedom. If things you pursue, thinking you are free to do them, actually enslave you and in, put you in chains, and now you're in more bondage than you set out, like, how is that free to live a life filled with addictions? That's an anti-gospel. You don't find assurance in it when you have to search for an identity and tell yourself, this is who I am. And you have to search and search, and then, and then, like, the whole game changes, and now you've got to find another identity to really place your whole being on. This is not a gospel. You don't find security in relationships. If you always have to compare yourself to him, to her, I feel bad about myself, I feel good about myself. If that's the game you're playing, this is no gospel. There's no good news in that. If you never experience what it is to be loved, even though you didn't deserve it, to be loved with the self-giving love of Jesus. If you miss out on that, you've missed good news. Paul wanted them. I think, he's, I think it's fair to say he wants you to know He wants you to know the good news, like the real good news, not some knockoff version of it. As we dive into Galatians, I'm going to tell you there are at least a couple challenges I could think of in going through this book. One of the challenges is some of what I just talked about. One challenge is, like it's just full strength. Like, it is intense. He presses buttons. He pulls no punches. And so it's challenging. I mean, you read the words, like, it doesn't seem like a a lot of gray areas for Paul. He wants to be clear about grace, about the gospel. So that's a challenge. Another challenge is, as you read through Galatians, and I've read through it many times in preparing for this series there's a temptation to go, that is a different world, and it's so different that I I don't know how this could be my story, my problems, my issues. Like, it sounds like there was a problem back then, but I'm not sure it's mine. We're going to have to fight that tendency to go, I don't think this is really about me, so I think I can just flip on through. We're going to have to fight that tendency, and my commitment to help fighting that tendency is to work really hard to make sure we hear what God said to these churches in Galatia, and to connect and kind of work that out throughout this summer, like work it out, like what does it mean in 2021, not just ancient, ancient Turkey, but like what does it mean for us, and how do we apply it? I think it'll be worth it if we just stick with it, if we keep like pressing on. I I will tell you, I've been in a hotel recently where they had like for breakfast had the grab-and-go option. Galatians doesn't work like grab-and-go, get your verse, and then kind of move on. It's just not going to work like that. You're going to have to spend some time on it. With that in mind, I want to ask you to do something. I I at least want to ask you to consider doing something. And that is, I would love if many of you would make a decision to read through the entire book of Galatians. Maybe read through it once a week for the next several weeks. Six chapters, a little less than 150 verses. You can do this. And I think, could the Spirit teach you Say, I, I have a hard time reading. Could you listen to it? I added up all the times if you were to listen on like an audio Bible, on an app, it would take you 21 minutes to listen to the book of Galatians. That's three minutes a day. I'm good at math, right? Three minutes a day. I don't say that to guilt you. I just, I want to tell you, you can do this. And I think it would be good for your soul to just sit in God's message of grace again and again and again. What I do know is you won't do it if you don't have a plan. If you don't intentionally, like, say, I, I am going to... No one kind of backs into reading Galatians every week. So I want to encourage you to think about doing that. Ask the Spirit to teach you some things. Before we take the Lord's Supper, can we come back to the greeting? I know it's a different way to end the message, but when you, when you come back to verse 3 of Galatians 1, Paul does so much more than just say, Hi, how are you doing? Hope things are going well. What he says in verse 3 is grace to you, and peace to you. Grace to you. So, in a moment, again, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. We're going to have tangible reminders of the kindness of God our Father, the mercy of Jesus at the cross. The indwelling spirit of God making you come alive. As we eat and drink, we're going to say, Grace has come to us. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I invite you to take, we will also be reminding ourselves not only has grace come to us, but peace has come to us as well. Peace has come to us. I can be free from striving in my soul, striving in relationships having to work hard to try to reconcile. No, 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 reconciliations come. We will eat and drink as those who have peace. Experiencing grace, knowing peace. That's why we come to remind ourselves. Can I pray for us before we take the Lord's Supper? Father, thank you for this reminder of grace. It is surely not just the concept, it is a person who loves us immeasurably more than we could possibly think or imagine. Thank you for the hope that you give to us. I pray our time in Galatians will assure our hearts, give us confidence not in ourselves, but that we would look away from ourselves and we look to you. So thank you, Father, for what you've done. We ask all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.